to all of you who have logged into the virtual mini plenary session. There will now be an opportunity for silent prayer or meditation. Thank you. Honorable members, before we proceed, I would like to remind you that the virtual mini plenary is deemed to be in the precincts of parliament and it constitutes a meeting of the National Assembly for debating purposes only. In addition to the rules of virtual sittings, the rules of the National Assembly, including the rules of debate, will apply. Members enjoy the same powers and privileges that apply in a sitting of the National Assembly. Members should equally note that anything said on this platform is deemed to have been said in the House and it may be ruled upon. All members who have logged in shall be considered to be present and are requested to mute their microphones and only unmute when they are recognized to speak. The microphones are very sensitive and it will pick up noise which may disturb the attention of other members or the speaker who is busy addressing this mini plenary. When recognized to speak, please unmute your microphone and connect your video. Members may make use of the icons on the bar at the bottom of the screens, which has an option that allows a member to put up his or her hand to raise a point of order. The Secretariat will assist me in identifying such members. When using the virtual system, members are urged to refrain and desist from making unnecessary points of order. We shall now proceed to the order, which is debate on vote number 17, Higher Education and Training Appropriation Bill. I now recognize the Honorable Minister of Higher Education and Training. The Honorable Minister. Uh, Honorable House Chairperson, Honorable Members, Cabinet colleagues present, Deputy Minister of Higher Education, Science and Innovation, Honorable Budimanamela, members of the Portfolio Committee on Higher Education, Science and Technology, led by Honorable Chairperson Mr. Philip Apulani, Director General of the Department, Chairpersons and CEOs of the entities, heads of our post-school organizations and institutions, officials of the Department of Higher Education and Training, trade union and student leaders, those joining us from our various electronic platforms, ladies and gentlemen and comrades. This marks our third budget of the Department of Higher Education and Training since we commenced with the sixth democratic parliament. I would like to once more pass my sincere condolences to all those in our sector who lost relatives, colleagues, and friends due to the COVID-19 pandemic. As a sector, we also had a, a, a tumultuous uh, period recently uh, facing the challenge of COVID-19, including a calamitous event recently at the University of Cape Town where an uncontrollable, an uncontrollable fire destroyed the repository of the Bleak Lloyd collection of recorded stories and notebooks of early colonialist engagements 
with the Tam and Kun Cape San people of the mid 19th century, as well as the loss of original copies of pioneering publications like Sikosa newspapers, Infozabanzun. In heritage terms, this is a, a catastrophic blow to all of us. One of the challenges we continue to confront also is the scourge and another pandemic, that of gender-based violence and femicide. I'm pleased to say again, honorable uh, chair and honorable members, that in July last year, I published in the government gazette, the policy framework to address gender-based violence in the post-school education and training sector. This, of course, must be translated into practical plans of action by each institution and its stakeholders so that we can together defeat this pandemic. Honorable House Chair and members, the post-school education and training sector, like the rest of our country, has been significantly affected by the COVID-19 pandemic. Since the beginning of this pandemic, our institutions have put in place health and safety protocols to ensure that we limit the spread of this virus in our PSET system. This work is coordinated by our higher health uh, agency, which looks after health and wellness in our post-school sector. In March this year, I approved the strategy to support our intention also to expand our online learning effort within the sector. In addition, both my departments of science and innovation and the higher education and training are working together to establish a national open learning system that will provide online learning opportunities in the PSET system. The departments are also working to consider the ministerial task team report on the sectoral implications of the fourth industrial revolution, as well as looking at the implications of the report of the presidential commission on the fourth industrial revolution for the post-school education and training sector. In this regard, and as part of ensuring that no student is left behind in the midst of the pandemic, I'm glad to announce that we've now completed 97% zero rating of our departmental and public institutions educational websites for universities, TVET colleges, community education and training colleges, nursing and agricultural colleges. This is significant as it will enable free electronic access to lectures, resources, and other education content for both staff and students. Our department is resolute in the expansion of our public university system, supported by a careful and systematic enrollment planning process that is in line with available resources, capacity, and funding. This process will ensure, honorable chair and honorable members, equitable participation supported by increased numbers of quality staff, affordable fees, inclusive and sustainable financial aid, and improved infrastructure. We'll also intensify the implementation of our university capacity development program to improve student success and the quality of teaching, learning, and research, and to support curriculum renewal 
and transformation in our universities. We have also started with the feasibility study, I'm pleased to say, towards the building of two more universities in our country. Firstly, the University of Science and Innovation that will be located in the Egurunani Metro and the Crime Detection University that will be in Hammanstral, north of Tswane. We have established steering committees for these projects under the leadership of one of my special advisors, Professor Derek Swartz. Our targeted goal for the TVET sector is to work towards producing TVET graduates who are work ready. We continue to improve our TVET system to ensure an enabling environment for quality teaching by having a competent teaching workforce which entrenches an enterprising culture among students. Currently, I'm pleased to say 14 universities are developing TVET college educational and training qualifications. In other words, we are now having dedicated lecturer qualifications for TVET college lecturers. 11 programs have already been accredited by the Council on Education. Three are already being offered and the other eight are planned to be offered from this year, 2021. Six more universities will be rolling out their accredited advanced diploma in TVET education in 2022. In addition, and working with the two main business organizations, that is Business Unity South Africa and the Black Business Council, we are developing an online teaching and learning platform for TVET colleges. We are further inviting industry to forward people to serve on the councils and academic boards of our TVET colleges as part of strengthening partnerships towards producing work-ready college graduates. We have also approved 10 new and or revised subject curricula for our TVET colleges for 2022. I am also pleased, honorable chair and honorable members, to announce that after a two-decade struggle, we've finally eliminated the TVET college certification backlog. Just over a month ago, we had eliminated 95% of the certificate backlog, and we would have reached 100%, but unfortunately, some of our students who requested certificates do not qualify in terms of our standards. In the new recent examination cycle, we've certified students within the required three-month turnaround time. In other words, we've set ourselves that within three months of finishing your course, you must get your certificates and will henceforth maintain this level of service delivery and timely production of certificates. Most importantly, more than 90% of our Tibet College students are NESFAS funded, thus providing free higher education for children of the poor and working class in our colleges. To our detractors, we say, Indeed, South Africa does have free higher education for the children of the working class and the poor. Honorable Chair and Honorable Members, the recently introduced Economic Reconstruction and Recovery Plan, as announced by our President Ramaphosa 
in October 2020, stresses skills development, science and innovation as not only critical in driving South Africa's economic reconstruction and recovery, but also key in sustaining it. In support of this initiative, we have developed a skills strategy to support government's effort to mitigate the impact of COVID-19 and the initiative towards economic and social recovery. In this, we are guided by the list of scarce skills and those skills in demand, which I released late last year. The skills strategy will create a balance between the short and long-term skills needs of the country and ensure that our skills system is strengthened and with its, together with its implementation. This strategy will target groups that are particularly seeking employment. Those who are employed and require upskilling or reskilling programs, as well as those who will be selecting careers in occupations where there are skills shortages. I'm also pleased to say we've also relicensed our CETAs to provide decent opportunities for youth and adults through education and skills development initiatives. We will continue to disperse the skills development levy for this purpose, and we will continue to prioritize artisan development as per the target of the National Development Plan that by 2030, our country must be producing 30,000 artisans a year, a matter that our Deputy Minister will possibly talk more about. We'll also continue to prioritize work-based learning opportunities through revised service level agreements between my department and all of our CETAs, especially focusing on increasing the number of unemployed learners participating in learnerships. To further promote skills development, I'm also pleased to say that we have also entered into a joint initiative on promoting skills development with the German government as per the agreement signed by the German Chancellor, Ms. Angela Merkel, and our president. This partnership seeks to help South Africa to build a modern, high-quality and agile skills development system aligned with our needs in the 21st century. Underpinning such skills development will be an apprenticeship-based TVET college system similar to the dual system in Germany. This project will see more of our youth absorbed into workplaces while getting the requisite technical skills in a meaningful partnership between the post-school education and training system and industry. We're also going to be focusing on expanding access to our community education and training colleges, which in the past were our adult education centers. And we are advocating a strategy to support these community colleges to meet their enrollment targets by attracting more youth into their education and training programs. We continue to strive that community colleges must expand their offerings beyond traditional formal academic programs, but also to offer skills programs required by adults and communities. The NDP requires our community college system to significantly increase its enrollments in appreciation of the challenge of youth who are not in education employment or training. 
Honorable members, the NESFAS has approved a budget for 2020-2021 of 41.5 billion rand. And this excludes the 6.4 billion additional budget approved. Following the shortfall experienced by NESFAS, we reprioritize our departmental budget to ensure that all deserving NESFAS qualifying students are able to receive funding for the 2021 academic year. We undertake that indeed this will be done. Irrespective of the challenges that we had earlier, NESFAS funding has increased more than fivefold just in six years from 5.9 billion rands in 2014 to 34.7 billion rands in 2020. In the current financial year, NESFAS funding is expected to reach over 43 billion rands, a further increase of nearly 10 billion rands in just two years. Indeed, we are meeting our commitment to the poor and the working class of our country to provide free higher education. In support of the expansion of, of access to the post-school education and training system, the Department of Science and Innovation will also be awarding bursaries to PhD students in particular, and also increase the rest of the postgraduate pipeline. Our Department of Science and Innovation will also be placing graduates and students in, in departmental funded work preparation programs in science, engineering, technology, and innovation institutions in support of the initiatives towards ensuring the responsiveness of our post-school education and training system. This year, NESFAS received approximately 799,000 applications with 67% of new applicants being SASA beneficiaries. This shows how one government program of the child grant is increasing opportunities for those children when they actually finish school to actually access university and college education. We are also examining new mechanisms, possibly backed by both public and private sectors, to support students in the so-called missing middle income bracket and postgraduate funding. In a matter of weeks, I will be tabling for cabinet consideration revised options for comprehensive student funding, including for the missing middle. In ensuring that students are further supported in their studies, NESFAS awarded supply and delivery tenders for laptops for NESFAS students to four service providers on the 5th of November, 2020. However, surging global demand for laptops triggered by the pandemic meant that NESFAS could not meet its planned delivery of the laptop for 18 April this year. NESFAS is therefore working on a revised timetable to deliver the laptop in batches until 30th of September, 2021. Honorable Chair and Honorable Members, we remain committed to strengthening and developing the PSET sector by investing in infrastructure to provide quality teaching, learning and research and innovation spaces. The total amount currently available for investment in infrastructure projects across our 26 public universities 
during the 2021-2022 to 2023-2024 medium-term expenditure framework period is 9.5 billion rands. My department will use this amount to invest in infrastructure projects that seek to achieve the following priorities. Priority number one being student houses, housing, and also infrastructure for facilities for strategic study fields, digital transformation of universities, and effective and efficient use of existing university buildings. We will continue to prioritize infrastructure development at our historically disadvantaged universities to ensure that maintenance backlogs are addressed and the quality of infrastructure delivery management is improved at these institutions. Honorable Chair, my department is currently in the process of reviewing the 2015 student housing minimum norms and standards in order to incorporate student housing at TVET colleges. We will also use the capital infrastructure expansion grant to address the serious backlogs in infrastructure maintenance in TVET colleges, with particular focus on improving the teaching and learning environment. I'm also pleased to say that through our student housing infrastructure program, we have completed feasibility studies for about 14,000 student beds as part of phase one developments spread over six public universities. University of Forte, one of the first institutions supported through the student housing infrastructure program called SHIP has recently been completed and I will be personally inaugurating these beds of these 1,437 new beds in this institution at its Alice campus at the total cost of 400 million rands at the end of this month. Phase one ship developments enabled an investment of 3.5 billion rands, including the DBSA commitment of 1.6 billion debt funding for 12,000 student beds. Phase two of student housing infrastructure project developments comprise of about 24,000 student beds that is made up of 12 institutions, which are six universities and six Tibet colleges in Guazulu Natal, Pumalanga, Limpopo, Western Cape, Gauteng, Eastern Cape, and Free State provinces. Feasibility studies for these 12 institutions are underway and scheduled for completion by September this year, with construction of these 24,000 beds planned for the start of the year 2022. As part of its 2,000 student beds development, the Nelson Mandela University also completed 200 student beds for its George campus and currently is constructing 1,800 student beds at its main campus in Port Elizabeth. University of the Northwest and the Western Cape are currently, we have currently under construction 2,700 and 1,700 student beds respectively. There are additional 5,500 student beds included in our student housing infrastructure project phase one, targeted for the University of Limpopo and the Sfako Makato University. During this year, we will also be conducting comprehensive feasibility studies to determine the nature, scope, and location 
of new institution and new infrastructure, we are determined to tackle the problem of shortage of student housing. And later in the year, I will also be announcing plans until 2030, in line with the announcement that has been made that by the president in the last two State of the Nation address. Honorable Chair and members, our budget has an annual average increase of 1.4% over the 2021 MTF. Therefore, our budget for this financial year stands at 115 billion rands, 596,868,000 rand. Indeed, the budget cuts, unfortunately, will slow down even faster movement in the expansion of post-school education and training. Honorable Chair and members, let me take this opportunity in conclusion to thank the Honorable President, the Deputy President, my cabinet colleagues, and our Deputy Minister, Putimana Mela, the Chairperson of the Portfolio Committee and members of the Portfolio Committee for their support and guidance, albeit critical sometimes. I also would like to thank USAF, the principals organizations of Tivet Colleges, the South African Union of Students, the South African Tivet College Students of South Africa, and our trade unions for working with us through the ministerial task team to find collective solution to the challenges posed by COVID-19. Gratitude also goes to my dear wife, Pumelele, my staff in the ministry, and to the entire executive management committee and staff of our Department of Higher Education and Training, the boards and executives of our entities and everybody who contributed towards the achievement of our mandate as the department. This ANC government, under the ANC government leadership, we table uh, this budget vote, uh, honorable chairperson, and to say, thank you very much. Thank you, honorable minister. The next speaker is the honorable Mapulane. <clears throat> um, Honorable Minister Zimande, Deputy Minister Manamela, Honorable Members of the Portfolio Committee, all Members of Parliament, the Presiding Officer, Honorable Frolic, fellow South Africans, good afternoon. Exactly five days ago, on the 8th of May, the country celebrated the 26th anniversary 25th anniversary since the adoption of the Constitution of the Republic of South Africa. The Constitution, which is the supreme law of the Republic, and is acknowledged globally as among the most progressive constitutions in the world, is the backdrop upon which the democratic rights of all citizens of South Africa are anchored. One of the fundamental rights is the right to education, which is enshrined in section 29, subsection one of the Bill of Rights. As we reflect on the journey we have traversed in our national efforts to attaining these fundamental rights, we should posit the question that 25 years since the constitution was adopted by this very house, to what extent have we managed to create an equitable, responsive, non-racial, non-sexist access to higher education and training? The system of colonialism of a special type and apartheid has left a visible scar, not only on our collective conscience, but also on our, on our physical being. 
The consequences of apartheid discriminatory access to education are still evident today, 25 years after the adoption of the constitution. Studies have shown that the gross participation rates in higher education was 17% and highly skewed by race. The Council on Higher Education report published in 2004 titled Higher Education in the First Decade of Democracy shows that participation rates of Africans in higher education was approximately 9%, 13% for coloreds, 40% for Indians, 70% for whites, despite the demographic representation, which shows that Africans constituted 89% of the population in 1993. White South Africans constituted 11% of the population, but white students contributed 88, 48% of enrollments. This higher education participation rates also reflected in the labor market, which is still the case even today. Whites and males still dominate senior management position and in certain sectors like engineering, bearing witness to decades long unequal access to education. Honorable Chair, as a direct consequence of the advancement of the People's National Democratic Revolution, the ANC government is turning the corner. Significant strides in access to education has been recorded. Work is continuing to expand access to education and training. The latest published Vital States Public Higher Education for 2018 shows that 26% of the total headcount enrollments in the public higher education sectors in 2018 were Africans and also women students were in the majority. The participation rates of Africans increased to 19%, 15% for colors, 55% for whites. The participation rates for Africans, although it is still low, is increasing steadily. The democratic government is expanding access to higher education by, among others, the building of two fully-fledged universities in the form of Mpumalanga and Solplak universities, and the two new ones which the minister has just announced, which are now at the feasibility stage. Honorable Chair, universities are key institutions in reaching our national democratic developmental objectives. They are national assets whose management and governance is key if we are to fulfill their developmental objectives. The white paper on PSEDS articulates a vision of a system governed by the principles of academic freedom, institutional autonomy, and public accountability. The white paper recognizes that these principles may at times conflict with one another. However, the white paper argues that there is no moral basis for using institutional autonomy as a pretext for resisting democratic change or in defense of mismanagement or governance failures. Institutional autonomy is therefore inextricably linked to public accountability. Recognizing these continuing debates which are part of transformation of the university landscape, the Portfolio Committee will be convening a colloquium on institutional autonomy and public accountability on the 28th of May this year to further contribute towards the refinement of ours and that of the sector's understanding and application of this concept. As we debate this budget vote, we do so amidst the challenges the country and indeed humanity as a whole has ever faced. 
National Treasury has estimated that COVID-19 pandemic will lead to 7.2% contraction in the gross domestic product in 2020. The PSET sector has not been spared the shocks and ravages of the COVID-19. The announcement of the four-month skills development levies has seen a fall in revenue of approximately $6 billion of the CITAS and the National Skills Fund, which indirectly impacting also on the QCTO. The impact of COVID-19 has, has been acutely felt by the PSET sector when the budget reductions to the department's baseline budget amounting to $24.6 billion over the MTF period was announced by the Minister of Finance, resulting in reductions to the NSFAS budget and university subsidies. Cabinet had to approve the reallocation of funds from within the department in order to finance the budget for shortfall of NSFAS. The academic year had to be extended in some universities, which some only finishing this year in March. The South African Qualifications Authority was also impacted by the COVID-19 as the borders were closed, SAPA's ability to generate income from verification of foreign qualifications was severely impacted. In 2021, SAPA had a budget deficit of 19 million and this resulted in the retrenchment of almost half of his staff complement, which resulted in a critical loss of institutional memory. Would like to commend the efforts of the department in its effort to try and avert this situation. However, the impact was too deep. Jobs could not be saved. The budget allocation of the department for 2021-2022 financial year amounts to 115 billion, which includes the skills levies. However, the voted funds amount to 97.7 billion, shared among the six budget programs. The bulk of the budget uh, of the voted funds, which represent 86.6%, is apportioned to program three, university education. University subsidies and the allocation to NSFAS to support access to education through student funding takes the bulk of this. The government continues to support the development of two universities in the Northern Cape and in Bumalanga, respectively 1.059 billion infrastructure efficiency grants is allocated to the Salt Black Universities and the, the University of Mpumalanga. The work of establishing the other two universities is continuing. The Tibet sector is allocated 13 billion for 2021-2022. The budget has increased in real terms when factoring in inflation. The support of this sector is very crucial, especially in the wake of the presidential economic reconstruction and recovery plan. The enrollment in the sector has been kept to 620,000 annually over the medium term period, which is to ensure that the resources are allocated to the sector are able to support the enrollment. The efforts of the QCTO in developing occupational qualifications that are relevant to the labor market are slowly paying off. New entrepreneurial digital skills aim at ensuring the responsiveness of the sectors are implemented in the TVET and the CET sectors. 
The department will dedicate efforts in the 2021-2022 financial year to addressing the issues of gender-based violence as announced now by the minister. Allocation to higher health to strengthen the fight against GBV within the PSAT sector is highly welcome, including the allocation of 5 million within the department towards GBV. Artisan development is key to supporting the economic growth and ensuring that relevant graduates with relevant trades are produced. The skills development will ensure that 21,000 learners enroll within artisan development. 147,000 learners will be placed in work-based learning programs and 60,650 in learnership programs. Notwithstanding the budget reductions, we are hoping that our economy will bounce back and return to its former glory of the late 1996 of sustainable growth and the financial position of the country will improve. We call on all who will be responsible for the implementation of this budget vote to do more with less and to be innovative in their task of ensuring that they deliver services to our people. The ANC supports the adoption of this budget vote. And I'd like to thank you, Honorable Chair. Thank you, Honorable Member. The next speaker is the Honorable King. Chairperson, colleagues, PSC sector stakeholders and students. Former President Jacob Zuma left the Department of Higher Education with major issues, which has become tricky to fix. His announcement on the 16th of December 2017 of fee-free higher education ahead of the ANC's 54th National Elective Conference has left the National Student Financial Aid Scheme in a financially crippling crisis. By raising the expectations of students through the hashtag fees must fall protest in 2016, and the surprising announcement of the fee-free higher education for poor students, the government should have been should have seen the foresight and note that the start of the following academic year would be critical and should have prepared accordingly with care and sensitivity for the fallout which ensued. The clown moves by the Minister of Finance to steer clear of the higher education budget during his budget speech in February was a clear indication that there were no funds and that NEFSA would be the casualty of budget squeeze with a 6.8 billion cut. As the, at the height of the student unrest, just before the commencement of the 2021 academic year, there was still no finality on funding support for first year entrants and, for, and communication to returning beneficiaries. As we are addressing this house now at this current moment, the University of Fort Hare Ellis campus is marred by student protests due to the uncertainty looming around the NEFSA's funding. Minister, yes, you are speaking about creating more accommodation and beds, but who will occupy those beds when these students are not funded? Tequini Tivet College students are still uncertain of the dreams of being funded. And whilst more students are excluded financially, more empty promises are being made. Section 291B of the Constitution states, to further education, which the state, 
through reasonable measures must make progressively available and accessible. This raises the question, is fee-free higher education feasible? Ministers Monday, feasibility is not merely whether a project is affordable or doable, but according to the Oxford Dictionary, whether it is capable of being done and carried out or dealt with successfully in any way possible or practical. Many are motivated by idealism, political or economic philosophy, or desire to further human rights. And while we honor such motives, each proposal must in the end stand or fall by the degree of its practical application, Minister. Fee-free higher education, while in its generosity, does not fulfill the criteria of being sustainable. We warn the Minister that as the actual budget implications of the scheme emerge, student funding will once again become dangerously unsustainable and universities and TVET colleges will once again be plunged into violence and forced to take on the financial burden of students with media duress at its neck. The minister's duck and dive approach to addressing the student funding ultimately led to student protests at various institutions. The destruction of property and the loss of life can squarely be laid at his feet due to the correlating and chain effect of his poor decision-making. The ANC's policy of free, free education at institutions of higher learning has led to an unsustainable increase in NEFSA student funding with 12.3 billion rand spent in 2017 to 38 billion rand spent in 2021 financial year. Which begs the question, Minister, at which point do universities have to make a decision on quality or quantity? A 2.49 billion rand cut to university subsidies and a 500 million rand reduction of TVET infrastructure funding to fund NEFSA further exacerbate the funding crisis where the missing model remains excluded from the funding and where funding to those who do qualify is increasingly unreliable. Quantity over quality in the higher education sector takes center stage. With this policy, unfortunately, there will be limits. So what will the ANC promises look then? The National Commission of Higher Education report, as well as the Hair Commission report, identified the risk that without financial support, any progress achieved through public funding remain could be offset by inadequate and ad hoc financial aid policies that are not in line with institutional and tuition fee. Ironically, Minister, this is exactly what has happened with the Minister in Samanda's announcement of 4.7% tuition fee and 6.7% accommodation fee increases amidst budget shortfall of NEFSA. A decision will foresee more financial exclusion than financial inclusions. Minister Insimande, you were there when NEFSA was nationalized into a kind of a state-owned enterprise with a bloated staff component and ballooning student debt. In 2009, Minister Insimande seemingly implemented this cadre deployment plan through the appointment of a new CEO of NEFSA, thereby ensuring the de-professionalization of NEFSA. NEFSA has been placed under two processes of administration. 
Minister Nzimande applauded their work and insisted it was a job well done. This is contrary to the Portfolio Committee on Higher Education's view and the Auditor General's review of the 2018 to 2020 financial years presented to the committee, which proved that the administration has the worst performance in years. While students are defunded from NEFSA, with the entity disregarding students' financial plight, the entity racked up 50 billion in irregular expenditure compared to 6.8 billion in 2019. To add insult to injury, evidence of syndicated fraud and corruption led to 440,000 ghost students being funded. NEFSA is in a tight financial position, yet they are making payments to invisible students, Minister. This is attributed to the failing ICT system of NEFSA, which is not fit for purpose to support their core operations. The ICT system is not capacitated to deal with huge application numbers. Technological challenges, data integrity, and integrating between the spirit ICT systems resulted in data system and process deficiencies being carried over since 2018. The system is expensive to maintain and supporting teams are based internationally, meaning foreign exchange differences have an impact on the cost of ICT support. The inability of NEFSA to procure and recruit local skills is laughable for an institution who funds students to obtain skills in demands in the job market. The challenges of NEFSA are a direct consequence of decisions taken by a rogue president, the ANC's political point scoring, and cadre deployment. The ultimate victims of this bad policy and bad legislation are the students and institutions of higher learning collectively minister. During my oversight visit at various institutions last month, it was evident of bad policy and decision-making is impacting institutions. Students raise concern about the cost of laptops and study materials are increasing, meaning that there now has to be a choice between either procuring study material or a laptop. I saw first-year return and returning students worried about their NEFSA payouts. I spoke to pleading students studying postgraduate degrees, desperate for funding to secure a recognized qualification. And yet, Minister, you say that PhD students will be funded. Where is the mismatch in communication between you and NEFSA when a second degree will not be funded by NEFSA? Minister, during your busy schedule, have you, have you taken time out to speak to female students of Umsinduzi, Tuivet College and Buffalo City College who were evicted by landlords due to NEFSA payments which did not come through? Have you spoken to the protesting students at Wusu and Wits who were regarded as criminals while they were protesting for student funding? These are the consequences of free fee higher education. A review of the funding model should take center stage to avoid policy uncertainty. A three-tiered system of bursary and loans should be introduced to ensure sustainability of NEFSA for future generations that will focus on giving students from low-income households the most comprehensive support. 
providing proportional assistance to those in the missing middle and students from high-income households to be self-funded. The DA proposes a total review of the student funding model in optimizing funding to students by renaming the fund to the National Fund for Students Minister and bringing the NEFSA funding and the National Research Fund into the NSF fund to ensure most students secure income contingent loans converted into bursaries on good academic performance, which will be repayable only when employment is secured at a specified income level as indicated by a commission to mitigate skill shortage of critical skills and research output. Funding should be geared towards students in these fields. The central application system of NEFSA should be abolished and applications should be taken up by university financial aid offices. Creating a funding database of students that need funding or crowdfunding, allowing companies to set filters to find types of candidates they want to support for university or college sponsorship, for learnership, entrepreneurship, or internship. Minister, the irony is that you will leave a legacy of a dysfunctional and an unstable financial aid scheme and the transformation of successful universities into low-level training institutions by continually implementing bad policy of free-fee higher education. Minister, all of the things we learned from the COVID-19 lockdown is that our tax base has shrunk, leaving little room for budget increase. More students will need financial assistance and investment in critical skills, which are of paramount importance to ensure higher education is confronting challenges in our economy and in our society. The government must realize that higher education is both a private and a public good, and the contribution towards its finances is, must be seen as an investment minister instead of just being a mere expenditure. Minister Nzimande, students are waiting on NEFSA payouts, appeal outcomes, N plus two rule clarification, missing middle funding, and reaches credit through postgraduate funding, which the cash strap NRF can't offer. The status of these students, Minister, is really a status of the true reflection of democracy. Students are waiting for the answer. Answer them, Minister. Thank you, Honorable Member. The next speaker is the Honorable Tambo. Thank you very much, Honorable Chair. The EFF rejects higher education proposed austerity budget. We must register this as a point of departure, that the budget for the higher education, science, and innovation sector is a product of the feeble-minded economic policy that defines South Africa today. By this, we mean there is a broader agenda in this country to chronically underfund and cripple social welfare and developmental efforts through cutting public spending with no reasonable prospects of achieving people-centered growth. Education, the cornerstone of any society and a fundamental developmental indicator is a victim of this deliberate attempt to subject South Africa to permanent junior status in the world. The budget plan tabled here today is nothing but an endorsement of failure failure that has defined this department ever since the so-called communist known as Mr. Blades Monday occupied the position over a decade ago. 
We will outline this by pointing to specific non-plans and how chronic underfunding during a pandemic that requires comprehensive reconstruction of how the sector operates is a recipe for disaster. First, we must note that the cut to cut the baseline budget for higher education by 24.8 billion is indicative of a government that is allergic to knowledge production, which is of no surprise if we are to consider where the country finds itself in terms of the economy and unemployment. Year after year, the supposedly consultation within the higher education sector and civil society on what needs to be done to improve access to higher education while promoting academic excellence and quality research. Seemingly though, all of these consultations are for sure because none of these proposals manifest themselves pragmatically. Instead, stakeholders are ridiculed by a loud healing minister who has led the charge of reducing intake at UNISA, one of the most technically ready institutions in Africa and the world to adapt to distance learning and increase the intake of students into the sector during a pandemic. It is a department that is complicit in the reducing of the allocation of NASFAS, of NASFAS by 6.8 billion rand, reducing university subsidies by 5 billion rand and a staggering 947.1 million reduction on TVET infrastructure grants. These palpably stupid decisions will result in institutions of higher learning having to drastically reduce their intake, meaning thousands of young people will be condemned to drug abuse. The cutting of TVET infrastructure grants means a continued abandonment of the vocational sector in a country that is desperately in need of vocationally qualified people to lead industrialization as seen in powerful nations such as China. One wonders what is the point of South Africa being a member of BRICS if we can't learn one of the most basic developmental lessons from our counterparts. Instead of making meaningful change, Zimande's tenure has been characterized by withholding of qualifications for over 106,000 graduates. And there's no plan in his budgeting to, to alleviate this to allow for these students to register Order. their postgraduate studies and transform the postgraduate sphere and apply for jobs proper. As we are gathered here, Honorable the chronic... Honorable Tambo, thanks. Sure. The point of order. Let me just hear what the point of order is before I allow you to continue. Member Papo, Member Tambo just called Minister Nzimande Nzimande and just used that first word uh, like that without uh, any reference to uh, honorable or minister and that's against the rules. It's a lie. I said Mr. Zimande. We're not bound to call him honorable on any He just said I'm lying now. He violated Thank you, the honorable it's a lie. Your point is your point is noted. Honorable members, let's continue to refer to one another in respectful terms. Please continue, honorable member. Thank you, honorable chair. As I was saying, instead of making meaningful change, Mr. Zimande's tenure has been characterized by withholding of qualifications for over 106,000 graduates. And there is no plan in this budgeting to alleviate this, to allow for these students to register for their postgraduate studies and transform the postgraduate sphere and apply for jobs proper. As we are gathered here, the chronic underfunding of the South African Qualifications Authority has led to massive retrenchments and the entity's incapacity. This will allow bogus institutions to scam our people without reprieve and diminish the outputs of our academic sector qualitatively. We are then left to seriously question when constructing their budget, who exactly is this department considering? And what is it that justifies this department being regarded as one that exists to facilitate the interests of higher education, science, innovation, and technology? 
In their budgeting, there's no consideration of the need to make innovative and sophisticated contributions to science and innovation, further proving that this department is not worthy of the name that it holds. This is the department that is charged with developing South Africa's own research to transform the state pharmaceutical company into a vaccine producing company as per the very resolution of their own ruling party. Instead of doing this to ensure that we can develop our own vaccines and sophisticated medicine, it is a ruling party at war with itself and preoccupied with resolutions that are of no national consequence. It is no wonder that the Ketlapela pharmaceutical project is a shell of an initiative that has wasted money because this government has never developed anything during its tenure. It is simply a budget for the sake of it, formulated to tick administrative boxes while institutions of higher learning collapse awaiting disbursements of money supposedly budgeted for them fictitiously. It is a department defined by regular expenditure, ghost employees, ghost students who receive monies as proxies of corrupt officials in the department. It is a department that has failed to regulate the procurement of private, private security militia on campuses that are paid millions to suppress genuine cries of students, harass them, beat them, and kill them. This is the very militia that would ban campuses to retain their corrupt tenders, acts that today one student, Lukanyu Mitanisi, has been wrongfully jailed for for five years. Chair, to endorse this budget when we know it is nothing but a filing exercise would be to partake in a collective waste of time of the students, workers, lecturers, and all those involved in academia in this country. There needs to be a substantial increase in funding allocated to the sector, and this will not happen through dependency on foreign direct investments, loans from banks, or loans that come from the IMF and the World Bank that seek to recolonize the continent and South Africa. It will not happen through the privatizing of SOEs or blaming allocation of funding to SOEs and surrendering our capacity to private monopolies. And it will certainly not happen through austerity, which defines the character of our economy today. It is only through a decisive redirection of our wealth, through nationalizing of our minerals, the establishment of a state bank whose interests are controlled by a, develop a developmental state, that education can become a viable sector with correct budgeting measures. Outside of this, we are all engaged in a collective exercise of breathing hot air. And for this reason, the EFF rejects this budget. I thank you, Chair. Thank you, Honorable Member. The next speaker is the Honorable Mumalu. Thank you, Chair. Uh, the success of this generation will be measured against their ability to respond to the global, to the global phenomena of their time. Their, comp their competence to participate in the race to industrialization and to respond to the demands of the fourth industrial revolution technologies, which all South Africans require for online learning and remote working. In light of this, the Department of Higher Education, Science and Technology plays a crucial role in equipping young people with the necessary tools to facilitate effectively in education and economic activities during the period of COVID-19. The creation of the competent workforce produced by various education and training centers aligns the economic reconstruction and recovery plan, the national skills development plan, the human resource development strategy, and more broadly, the national development plan. Therefore, matters concerning the budget vote number 17 are cross-cutting. The topic of education goes beyond the employment. The education of our people has to ensure that skills development aligns with the demands of the job market so that, it is, so that issues of representativeness in economic activities are addressed. Education also speaks to creating a, work competent, a competent workforce and improving the state capacity. However, Honorable Chair, there are many still 
there are still shortfalls in implementing those provisions. First, the anticipated collaboration between the National Treasury and the Department on policy and funding options that would inform the medium-term budget statement is not even underway. This limits the potential for better coordinated on input or output which are required, particularly in taking multi-stakeholder approach to the response of COVID-19 impact. In addition to the above limitations, the TVET budget in keeping with the inflation rate has decreased. While the infrastructure efficiency grant is projected to decrease by 168 million in the 2023 um, um, year. In the context of COVID 19, reducing the infrastructure grant efficiency grant may have implications on adopting the strategic for, for IR strategies and technologies, which have become indispensable in the area of online learning and remote working. Furthermore, Owing to COVID-19 and ensuring a social economic crisis, the department's five-year strategic plan was revised. Targets in the number of the students enrollment at CVET colleges were reduced to 90,000, whereas the number of students enrolled at CET colleges were reduced by over 166,000. Even though this adjustment had the prospect of enhancing substantive outputs rather than quantity, on the hand, on the other hand, the exclusion of 250 students in total will, will, will affect students from previous disadvantaged groups the most. On the other hand, this measure will reinforce existing inequalities in our country as a result. Now, on this budget, concerns remain around the governance of funds and accountability. The government-wide monitoring evaluation needs to protect our democracy and further the, and further, and the future of the youth by ensuring that funds are reserved for education and training purposes. Their future are not misused for personal gain through corrupt practices. While the IFP supports the private-public partnership in line with improving the quality of life of all South Africans, the responsibility is on the state to protect learners within the education system from very high residence fees at this, and as this increased student debt, which threatens to re- reverse efforts towards uh, inclusivity in education. The provision effect of effective community-driven and re- relevant education, training and development program is a focal point of the IFP reconstruction and social development policy. The declining substance, subsidies, subsidies for education affect the ability to create a competent workforce, which is one of the tenets of the National uh, Development Plan 2030. To conclude, my party supports this budget in the hope that the above consent will be addressed with efficiency so that South Africa's future through youth is not jeopardized. Thank you, um, Chair. Thank you, Honorable Member. The next speaker is the Honorable Bosov. Honorable House Chair, today we debate one of the biggest and most important votes because it funds a post-school education and training sector, which is important because whatever our basic education system does, It does not prepare children for the world of work. South Africa has a sophisticated economy which needs skilled labor, skilled artisans in industry and construction, but also in beauty, innovative engineers, expert scientists in human, natural and commercial disciplines, lawyers specializing in different fields, management experts, qualified people in every trade and profession conceivable. But people are not only qualified, they are also educated. Qualification, content, is definable and presented in textbooks and study material. Education, on the other hand, is evasive. 
It can be outlined and formulated in outcomes envisaged, but much of it happens in the sideshows, discussions in classes, residences, student associations, holiday jobs, all form part of the education. Also the way in which studies are funded, and funded is what the budget, uh, funding is what the budget is about. Since 2018, this department has been implementing a policy of free education for the poor and working class. Funding for NISFAS had to double from around 10 billion in 2017-18 to nearly 2020 billion the following year, to around 40 billion in this budget. The department, as such, on the other hand, could not be allocated the 123 billion envisaged in last year's budget, nor even the 116,8 billion budgeted for last year, but only some 115,6 billion rand. Take note that NISFAS received more, while the department as a whole received less. The grants of universities had to be cut accordingly, robbing Peter to pay Paul. In the national budget, but also within higher education and training, productive spending is cut in order to maintain social spending. That is, cautiously descending the fiscal cliff rather than tumbling down, which is commendable because it could possibly be reversed. What hinders the department is a set of flawed ideological notions. One is that higher education and training should be free, not financed by loans or bursaries, but by grants. This is a fatal notion, because there is never enough to be handed out for free. The N plus 2 rule allows students to spend five years on a three-year degree, without incentive to use only three years or penalty for using five. However, if a student is tax-registered when awarded a NSFAS loan, the money can be recovered when the qualified person starts working. It can even solve the problem of the missing middle, who currently earn too much for NISFAS and too little to pay themselves. Another flawed notion is to solve problems by centralization of management. Therefore, we have 26 universities with 59 campuses and 50 tiered colleges with some 240 campuses. This creates a divide between learning institutions and their communities. This notion does not translate into good educational practice either. The opposing notion of a close tie between an educational institution and the community it serves, it serves is also prevalent. In the Portfolio Committee, issues pertaining the Safako Makato University of Health Sciences have been discussed a number of days. Several stakeholders proudly declared what a privilege it is for, privilege it is for them to be involved in the education and betterment of, and I quote, the black child coming from the communities where we come from, close quote. I welcome this notion. That is the idea, near mere, the ideal, but with instellings with academia, Soltek and Bokaroa opleiding lie. Nadat belasting betaal is, waar my eens Afrikaanse universiteite vir Engels word, en waar my NSVAS toelaag gefinansier word, dra mense uit hierdie missing middel by, om eerste klas hoor onderwijsinstellings te skep en dan betaal hulle self hulle kinderse klasgelde. Daar die studente betoog nie en brand nie, want vir hulle is dit een voorrecht om in hulle eie taal opgevoed en opgeleid te word. Hulle respecteer hulle akademiese seniors. So bouwe mense hele technische college met die geld wat Gauteng gebruik het om skole wat leeggestaan het skoon te maak. On the positive side, in this department, very capable officials work extremely hard to make the state-sponsored system work. The Portfolio Committee uh, works hard to hold institutions to account, and the Ministry is obviously serious about his work. But the ideological foundation is flawed. 
die 4 plus stem dus teen die begroting. Baie dankie. Thank you, Honorable Member. The next speaker will be the Honorable Deputy Minister of Higher Education, Science and Innovation, the Honorable Deputy Minister. Thank you, uh, Honorable uh, House Chair, Honorable Members, Minister of Higher Education, Science and Innovation, Honorable Dr. Blake Zimande, members of the Portfolio Committee, together with the Chair, Mr. Philip Apulani, DG, uh, and sta senior staff from the department, chairpersons and CEOs of entities, heads of our post-school organizations and institutions, officials of the department, ladies and gentlemen, it is my honor and privilege to join the minister in presenting this budget vote of the Department of Higher Education and Training. In his inauguration speech in May 1994, Nelson Mandela declared that out of the experience of an extraordinary human disaster, that lasted too long, must be born a society of which all humanity will be proud. Our daily deeds as ordinary South Africans must produce an actual South African reality that will reinforce humanity's belief in justice, strengthen, strength, strengthen its confidence in the nobility of the human soul, and sustain all our hopes for glorious life for all. These words remind us of the noble commitment that we as a people made 27 years ago at the birth of our democracy, a commitment to usher in a society of which all humanity will be proud of. Honorable members, by all accounts, 2020 has been a challenging year for the post-school education and training system. The COVID-19 pandemic and the national lockdown continues to impact on teaching and learning at our institutions. Our institutions had to move to emergency remote multimodal teaching and learning for much of the 2020 academic year, which had to be extended with some institutions continuing until March 2021. The goal for the system was to save lives and also to save the academic year. All institutions have now completed the 2020 academic year. We supported the implementation of the, of the plans through the allocation of the COVID-19 responsiveness grant in 2020-2021 that was utilized towards teaching, learning, and assessment activities. Institutional plans were aimed at, amongst others, the acquisition of devices for students and staff, the upgrading of learning management system, ICT hardware, bandwidth, ICT security features, acquisition of appropriate software applications, the distribution of data to students and staff, and the implementation of, of catch-up programs as students return to campus. We will continue to monitor the implementation of the COVID-19 preset responds to teaching and learning plans during the 2021 academic year and to support institutions for the 2021 academic year. We will take every opportunity to learn from our response to the pandemic so that we're able to understand how hybrid and blended learning approaches to teaching and learning can be improved and in the, sec in the PSET sector so that we integrate all of this into the system. In our effort to strengthen the TVET college sector, we established a capital efficiency grant, which was originally focused on the maintenance of current infrastructure. In addition to the rollout of the maintenance of TVET colleges, new infrastructure is continuing within a downscaled budget. We're pleased to report that of the 16 sites, which we started in 2014, four of these have been occupied uh, by their recipient colleges, Musinga, 
Quatrecasi sites are scheduled for completion within this quarter. Balfour and Ngunrushe in the third quarter of this year. Great Town is scheduled for completion in the fourth this financial year. There are further three and Kandla B, which are underway within this financial year. In addition, funded projects with Swanee North and Swanee South Tibet Colleges and the People's Republic of China, which will commence in the third quarter of this financial year. Through the Centers of Specialization, Tibet Colleges are playing a central role in artisan training as the, as the response to economic reconstruction and recovery plan. And as the minister has indicated, these are part of the skills strategy working with sector, with CETAS to address the immediate crisis of COVID-19, as well as changing demands, aspirations, and expectations of people, employers, and communities. Artisan training will empower people throughout their lives with skills they need to get on in life and support better productivity and innovation. Currently, centers of specialization are training 1,260 apprentices at 26, 26 sites on 13 trades, which we believe are needed within our economy. These occupational trades are scarce and critical for building infrastructure. In our efforts to strengthen the community education and training sector, our CETs, we have appointed all eligible employees in the sector on permanent employment with a retention of their conditions of service. We've been working hard to implement the standardization of pay and benefits for eligible academic staff in CET colleges with effect from 1 May 2021, which will result in equal work for work, I mean, equal pay for work of equal nature. Furthermore, all CET colleges are implementing the national sector plan as informed by the white paper uh, on PSET and through this, the sector managed to reconfigure the landscape from 3,276 learning sites to 1,791 in pursuit of quality and efficiency. We're pleased to report also that through our partnership with the MICT CETA, we will be introducing 54 pilot uh, centers identified in the CET sector and a commitment of 40 million rands has been set aside for ICT laboratories. One of the exciting initiatives within the CET space is the construction of the Agricultural Skills Center at Reeds in the Free State, where 60 million has been set aside for this purpose. Over the years, the nature of higher education has changed and students face new and varied challenges in navigating higher education. To respond to these complexities, we're working with stakeholders in the sector to develop a student governance framework that will provide a framework for ideal students' governance models in the university sector and that will contribute towards functional and effective student governance in public higher education. We now understand the challenges we face much better than we did during the inception and the, and the second wave of this pandemic. In responding to COVID-19, higher health, and through our agency higher health, we were able to implement COVID-19 protocols, screening stations, student volunteer programs within our campuses. We have directed higher health to establish a COVID-19 warriors campaign by ensuring that there are over 10,000 student volunteers who have been trained by higher health uh, with the and tra trained on the, uh, with the advocacy work that they've been conducting throughout every campus. We're also proud that higher health has extended 
the 24-hour toll-free dedicated student helpline to the CETs, and we urge students to use this particular call. And we have seen how effective this was in attending to some of the tra uh, post-trauma need of the students at the University of Cape Town and everywhere else in all our institutions. As the honorable members may be aware, sexual harassment and gender-based violence on our campuses in South Africa remains a social problem requiring greater intervention and support. To this extent, we established a gender-based violence, uh, gender-based violence technical task team to guide the implementation of the, of the Department of Higher Education and Training policy framework to address gender-based violence in the PSET sector, which the minister launched in July 2020. Members, these are some of the interventions that we've made over the period under review. And to conclude, I wish to share with you the aspirational, inspirational story of 24-year-old 20, South African, Mithle Mvelakubi. Mithle is a qualified bricklaying artisan who studied in the former Tibet College of Cape Town. And as a student, he used his skills to open his own engineering company, Mvelakubi Civil, uh, Civil Engineering. This will not have been possible uh, you know, as uh, alleged by the honorable member from the DA, had it not been of the platforms created by fee-free higher education. And I wonder where the member has been throughout when students have been on the street demanding that we provide fee-free higher education. When asked what he hopes to achieve, Mitchell stated that one of their main aims is to create job opportunities in order to lower unemployment and boost the South African economy. One of his proud achievements was representing South Africa, the South Africa team in the bricklaying trade at the 2017 World Skills International Competition in Abu Dhabi, where uh, there were 76 other competitors. The story of Mitchell is a powerful one and it's a representative of our democracy. Thank you very much, Honorable House Chair. Thank you, Honorable Deputy Minister. I now invite the Honorable Jainki, who will preside over the rest of this mini plenary as he will introduce the next speaker. The Honorable Jainki. Thank you, Honorable House Chair. I now invite Honorable Sukas. Thank you, Honorable Chair. The department notes in its report that the sector has been impacted by the economic downturn which preceded COVID. The fact is that the poor performance of the department is one of the causes of that economic downturn. Hundreds of billions have been spent on higher education and training over the years, but millions of our citizens remain unemployed. The current configuration of NSFAS increases our debt burden and pushes us to the edge of the fiscal cliff. This deters investors and therefore you spend billions to educate graduates, but there are no jobs for them when they leave tertiary education. Every year, the department need more money and this impacts among others, the basic education department. This means learners coming from schools are less able to successfully complete a course of tertiary study. Hundreds of thousands of graduates take, take years to find employment if they ever do. Many of those who are lucky enough to find employment have to accept jobs for which they are overqualified. We must have the world's highest number of graduate waiters and barristers. These are jobs that many students use to do while studying, and they have now become the jobs they are studying for. 
Turning to university students, one merely has to speak to students and parents, and they will tell you that many undergraduate qualifications do not open the door to employment. The student has to embark on postgraduate studies. Therefore, eager first years are being sold a lie when they enroll unless you fund postgraduate education for low-income students as well. The other solution is that the department work with our universities to restore them to their world-leading status. Year on year, our university rankings fall fall while other developing and BRICS nations improve their rankings. We have 8.5 million youths who are not in employment, education, or training. The majority of them are girls and young women. We therefore welcome the commitment by Amalusi to implement the long-delayed National Senior Certificate for Adults and call on the Department of Higher Education and Training to support this. We need robust plans to re-engage these citizens with learning. This sector needs a carefully conceived holistic plan that puts students first, not bureaucrats. COVID-19 chair is not just a challenge, it is an, an, an unique opportunity for the sector to transform and meet these challenges. The ACDP calls on the minister and the department to reach out to all sectors of society to develop a comprehensive plan to reform the higher education sector. I thank you. Thank you. I now call upon Honorable Nkwangwa. Honorable Nkwangwa from the UDM. The ATM, the ATM, I now invite Honorable Mananiso from the African National Congress. Thank you, Chairperson, Honorable Minister, Deputy Minister, Honorable Members, Peter Shepard, and fellow participants. In memory of those we have lost with COVID-19, we will continue practicing and observing COVID-19 protocols. And those whom we lost due to GDPF are not continuing. Honorable Chair, the African National Congress for the Liberation Movement, whatever you have, whatever you have switched on, please switch it off uh, just so that we can hear you properly. There's a lot of echo. If your TV is on, please switch it off. No, there's nothing that is off. I'm alone behind. Can you hear me? Go ahead. Okay. The African National Congress for the Liberation Movement is in a struggle for social transformation. The post-COVID education and training sector has been a key component of affirming the social order which marginalized blacks and women. The budget goes to present a response to the commitment made by the ANC to the people of South Africa in creating equal opportunities for all South Africans, including those who did not complete schooling. This higher education budget goes responds to the social and economic challenges facing our nation of gender-based violence in the priority of the ANC government. The implementation of the gender-based violence policy framework is a critical intervention for the sector to ensure all institutions have norms and standards of awareness among students. The department will also be developing and collating transformative materials 
curriculum skills and approaches for prevention of disability. This includes the training and support for capacity to deliver gender violence and femicide, preventing intervention. The fact that the majority of students are are women is an important milestone for the in transformation and to address gender equality. The AMC acknowledges the commitment by the department to higher health of being part of the integrated GDPS response agency. We would like to ask our scholars to use all avenues and system in place to combat the pandemic, because it is only through the usage that our people can monitor and evaluate the effectiveness and efficiency of government services. Gender mentioning must seek expression in our must find expression in our educational curriculum, institutional policies, and in all initiatives that are undertaken within the higher education system. Discrimination and racism in some universities requires a systematic transformation, as such, racism is mainly institutional. We need to teach the youth through this sector to respect and internalize appreciation of women, LGBTIQ as well society, and PWD as equal irrespective of their age and past. Honorable Chair, the mental health of students is another key focus the department should further support in order to ensure social, psychosocial support exists in higher education institutions. Accessibility in higher education for persons with disabilities is another critical component. The budget support for disability means in secret colleges as part of ensuring equal support in the sector. The persistent challenge in our society is poverty, inequality, and unemployment. This has is part of the sectoral integrated responsive approach of GBDF. GBDF is a societal problem and we all need to play our part. Honorable Chair and Honorable Members, community education training colleges provide a developmental opportunity to the youth and others. To further the active development and training, which will enable them to find economic opportunities through the different programs implemented in the city. This project increases the support of the community education training from 163.3.9 million in the previous year to 219.3 million in the current budget goals of 2021. This is a positive development to expand and improve the quality of the ecology, which are important to empower and the people. This includes the introduction of digital and entrepreneurial programs and to provide support and guidance to colleges to meet their involvement to attract more young people. For the current financial year, the department annual performance plan set a target in accounting with four community centers by the financial year. The changing world and the era of the fourth industrial revolution will require people to have digital skills. Despite the increase in the budget age, the infrastructure developed in community education training, which negatively impacts class attendance, as teaching and learning exist in the community, infrastructure support will be the critical to encourage people and knowledge with inequality. Chairperson, a witness in supporting community education and training colleges is due to the lack of publicity on its enrollment and affluence in communities, like the university and civil colleges participation of also the issue should be commented. 
Medical computer overseas should also have local mechanisms at a regional level to support colleges. CEC colleges still require a lot of support from various stakeholders in order to create support ecosystem to expand its impact, particularly among the youth who have not started their studies. The CEC system will be piloted in 54 community living centers by 2024. Honorable Minister, Deputy Minister, as I was conducting my CTO constituency work, I interviewed the school principal who is the head of one of the CTCs at Kotalanga School in Samarang, and one of the scholars who attends at the federal CTC at Paramatina Secondary School in Makaba, who is 45 years old. They agree with the community that CTCs must be given attention to teachers because it is only their own for those who complete their opportunity to finish or continue with their primary and secondary school activities. On our chairperson, increasing literacy through adult education and training is important for employability and the development of an open Teaching support materials will improve the outcome of the training. The African National Congress supports the whole budget vote 17 as we choose to transform the lives of our people particularly the poor and the marginalized. As I conclude, the President has recalled the statement that this year, as the sixth parliament, ours is to follow up on the commitment that was made at the agency. We support the budget. Thank you. Thank you, Honorable Mananiso. The African Independent, COPE, the PAC, Al Jamaa, Al Jamaa, I now invite uh, Honorable Letia from the African National Congress. I must also add before he speaks that uh, Honorable. Uh, thanks, Chair. How much time do I have? I have not given you to speak yet. Uh, I was just speaking to say, Honorable uh, Fili Mabulani. Saved three minutes. I'll be adding three minutes to Honorable Lestia. Uh, so he now will have 14 minutes. Go Thank ahead. you very much. Thank you very much, Honorable Chair, Honorable Minister, Deputy Minister, Honorable Chair Mapulani, all members of the committee, uh, members of parliament, and indeed uh, the biggest stakeholders in the center, the students at home. The ANC in its 2019 manifesto, the people of South Africa committed to ensure that private colleges are adequately funded and respond to the country's skills needs and high levels of unemployment through progressive policies such as the skills levy and placing education as an apex priority of government. The coronavirus has had a significant impact on the well-being of the people and their livelihoods. The democratic breakthrough has brought about a new trajectory of the post-school education and training sector. 26 years of the democratic and ANC-led government has seen the expansion of the higher education to bring about social transformation. Less people work today, <clears throat> and the world is adapting to the digital age and the fourth industrial revolution. The budget vote supports a focused training on digital skills for 50 Tibet colleges. This is a welcome move which will give students the edge as the digital economy continues to grow. Our reliance on the digital pl platforms for trade, learning, leisure, 
and communication and, and many other functions necessitate this focus by the department. The coronavirus pandemic has demonstrated how digital skills and technological developments are becoming central in business processes and the economy in general. Whilst the fourth industrial revolution can lead to a loss of jobs in various industries when industries begin to introduce artificial intelligence and automation of production, new opportunities in industries will also develop and the curriculum of the TVS sector should adapt to these changing conditions. Failure to adapt or training and curriculum will result in leaving many workers behind. This brings about a change in the needs of the labor market as institutions and business also adapt to the changes. Technical and vocational education and training colleges plays a critical role in expanding skills development, which supports the economy and productive sectors of the economy. The budget vote of 2021 as an incremental increase for the TVET sector program as illustrated by the Deputy Minister from just over 12.6 billion to just over 13 billion. This increase signifies a continued commitment by government to support skills development. One of the major successes of the TVET college program is its link with, with the workplaces in various industries. This relation and learning and training link has increased the exposure of students to transition uh, to the workplace with no difficulties. The 2021 budget vote responds to challenges in our society today of unemployment through the establishment of 14 entrepreneurship hubs for TVET students so that they can be actively involved in the economy and for their own self-sustenance. Our economy requires a focus in entrepreneurship as we have been experiencing a low economic growth with increasing unemployment, particularly amongst the youth. The creativity amongst the youth requires such interventions to support innovation and business development. The target and support to place the 5% eligible student in workplaces for experimental learning is important to ensure training for workplace opportunities through such interventions. The private sector and all Workplaces are critical in expanding skills development opportunities. It is important to note, honorable members, that the fiscal policy framework, a consolidation, fiscal consolidation, while necessary to cap the debt, has impacted government spending into the PZ sector. Infrastructure development is a key pillar of the economic reconstruction and recovery plan. One of the challenges which require support is the capacity and capability of implementation of, in, of infrastructure projects. The inability to spend, which was the case even before COVID-19, requires monitoring to ensure that the backlog in infrastructure development in colleges is pivotal. The TVET infrastructure and efficiency grant has decreased to about 714 million from 1 billion in the 2019 budget vote. The construction sector is pivotal in the infrastructure project and it creates more work opportunities for the youth. Due to expanded access to higher education, investment in student housing has not been equal to the growth within the sector. This has resulted in a student housing backlog, which mainly affect the poor. And we're happy, Minister, that uh, you are even opening one now, uh, but the slow pace there needs to be addressed. The scarcity of student accommodation has increased the cost of student accommodation, creating a financial constraint for those 
who are from the missile middle and the poor. Whilst this also increases the cost for NSFAS when providing financial aid for the two I've just mentioned. Through the student housing infrastructure program, the department should encourage private investment and an increase of public investment in this in the student housing sector to ensure equitability or equitable access for all. The backlog on, on certification has been an issue we have been raising consistently with the department as part of our oversight. Welcome um, the target of reaching 100% within this financial year, including those who have finished three months earlier, as the minister would have uh, uh, alluded earlier on. This success in this regard will enable many young people to apply for different work opportunities and in entrepreneurial endeavors. CETA are another important entities which provide skills and development for many South Africans. The decade of an artisan program has yielded good outcomes with the 2021 year target uh, being uh, 19,500 artisans found competent and 21,500 learners entering artisanal programs. The 30,650 learnership opportunities and 103,750 work-based learning reflect the contribution of the skills fund in contributing to the human capability development of the country as the chair of the portfolio committee will have advocated. <clears throat> the result of increasing support for TVET colleges and sector education and training authority have developed an effective ecosystem which harnesses skills development activities in the workplace. This is a critical area in order to uh, develop a national labor capacity to grow the economy and to produce the goods and services required for socioeconomic development. Addressing the inequality within the peasant sector and ensuring that TVETs are institutions of choice will require strengthening of, of their governance structures and systems to ensure quality infrastructure development and expanding the training networks to increase the number of learners getting skills development opportunities. <clears throat> Social transformation is about equipping the people with the skills and um, support for them to liberate themselves <coughs> and live to, to their full potential. <coughs> now, <coughs> let's uh, address a few things that uh, we believe are important. Uh, the DA spoke for 13 minutes. The only thing they spoke about uh, was how feasible or not feasible is fee-free education. And we're going to tell you why uh, they would have spent so much time uh, deliberating on one principle, on one fact called fee-free education. First, we must understand who they represent. The DA do not represent the poor of the poor. They are not worried if the poor of the poor in Ngobo, the poor of the poor in Kutong Township, the poor of the poor in Bali Township, in Maritzburg, do not go to school. They are not worried about those. In fact, it is possibly their program to make sure that majority of our people don't access a, a higher education. They, they, they represent those who have the means money uh, uh, to pay for themselves to go to, to university. They spent 13 minutes telling us that fifth year education must be abolished. We must introduce loans for who? For people who, as they uh, exit the, the university space, they still have uh, homes, they still have parents, they still have families to also fit. So they they believe in a system that 
a system that uh, uh, believes in black people, uh, you know, uh, being uh, 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 slaves uh, forever. <clears throat> uh, Honorable King also correctly states that uh, we moved from 12.3 billion funding for NSFAS in 2017 to 38 billion. But instead of saying let's celebrate that the department has done so well, has 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 created space for many of our black people to go to school, uh, to access uh, um, uh, skills, to access education. No, no, she does not concentrate on that. She speaks about how bad that is uh, for everybody else. But maybe, you know, if we understand uh, what they stand for, we'll not be surprised by that. She speaks about uh, uh, ICT systems being a problem at NSFAS, but uh, at least if she was honest, I would expect her to have uh, said, uh, uh, let's thank the ANC for being the, the ones to raise this thing in the portfolio committee um, um, as, as a problem. And we have engaged with NSFAS and said they must make sure that they are um, uh, going to change this system. And <clears throat> maybe let's give feedback also. I think uh, uh, on what is happening currently at NSFAS is that uh, um, um, the new leadership of NSFAS there they are looking at changing the, the ICT system that will respond to the needs of today because they are currently using a system that was designed uh, for, for, for the previous uh, funding model. <coughs> and um, all of these things uh, paints a picture of the DA. Uh, <clears throat> and I will not be surprised. Uh, uh, she speaks about a rogue president of the NC who who made uh, a pronouncement in 2017, a rogue minister, and all of these things. <clears throat> but maybe we don't understand the word rogue. I think, uh, um, but I'm not surprised because uh, Honorable King represents a party, a political party in parliament uh, that is led by the president of that party. Self-confessed racist, a person who says racism, uh, apartheid, they were good. Uh, for the betterment of this country. So I will not be uh, surprised by what uh, um, <clears throat> she's been saying. Now, I thank the IFP um, uh, for supporting the budget. Uh, EFF, uh, <clears throat> uh, again, a hypocrisy. Uh, Honorable Tambo comes here, uh, says, no, uh, why do you close Tibet colleges, um, <clears throat> take them into remote learning, and all of those, whereas it is them. When lockdown started in South Africa, they were, they were very vocal, making noise everywhere. No, no, close down schools. Hey, hey, close down universities. I mean, really, it means these people are saying, let's close down everything. Let's not have education in this country until COVID is done. And then they'll also come and, and criticize the government. That, that is just uh, hypocrisy. Freedom Front Plus, the Honorable Boshoff. I think uh, one part that you keep missing, and we keep, you know, we're going to be patient with you uh, so that uh, every, because you do this every time when you are in the, in the public gallery, you are saying, we are saying we must close universities that teaches in Africans. That is never what we said. We said we must open them. We must not have a, a system um, like you're having now in Orania where you want to teach only Africans. Uh-uh. We are saying let's uh, open for everybody. Let's uh, be together, bring English ones there, bring Zulu ones uh, in, in that Stellenbosch, uh, even in that university that uh, you are building there, 
uh, in Pretoria. Let's bring everybody. I mean, uh, what is this thing of segregation? We've moved away from that. Thing. I, I mean, uh, lastly, to ACDP, uh, sometimes I think the advice I would give to, to her <clears throat> is that uh, sometimes when you don't have anything to add, I think you you could have just uh, um, behaved like uh, other other parties now, Honorable Kwankwa and others just uh, pass. I mean, uh, you took three minutes and said nothing. Having said uh, that, uh, the ANC support this budget vote because uh, this is a tool to change the lives of the poor, particularly the marginalized, creating equal opportunity for all South Africans, as affirmed in the Freedom Charter, that the doors of learning and culture shall be open uh, for all. Thank you very much, Chairperson. Thank you, Honorable Letia. I now invite uh, the Honorable Minister. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Honorable House Chair. Let me take this opportunity to thank uh, all those who supported this budget, starting with my ANC comrades, the Chair, Comrade Mapulane, Comrade Mananiso, and uh, Comrade Letia as well as to Honorable uh, Numalo of the IFP for the support, Seabo Mazwit. Just a, a few points, maybe in conclusion. I would like to welcome the issues that Honorable Mapulana is raising, the issue, for instance, of the <clears throat> Black women and Black academics in South Africa and so on. And indeed, one agrees that that still remains one of our biggest tasks. As I normally say, the challenge facing our higher education sector, at the heart of it, is the necessity to transform the patriarchal, gender, and racialized relations of knowledge production. Some call it decolonization, others call it building people's education for people's power, but at the heart of it is to transform relations of knowledge production. We welcome the support we often get from the portfolio committee in implementing this goal of the African National Congress through this government. Just also very briefly, I would like to say that <clears throat> to Honorable King, I think that Honorable Letia has done very well to expose sometimes the hypocrisy in the ranks of the opposition. So I'm not gonna repeat his eloquent uh, response. But sometimes I get a sense Honorable King is attacking NESFAS just because it's not privatized. Also, it's wrong to say NESFAS was, was nationalized. NESFAS forever, right from its inception, it was a state system to assist poor and working class students. So DA is more all the time talking for everything to be put into the hands of the private sector. I wonder how you feel about the fact that this government gave banks 200 billion rands to support small business, mainly black business. They only spend 75 billion rands. That's the private sector for you sometimes when it comes to matters of this nature. Honorable Tambo, it's unfortunate you have got such an honorable surname, but you are the opposite of the Tambo we know very well in the African National Congress in particular. I just want to say that, yes, we have challenges with TVET colleges, but we have also achieved a lot, as, as, as our deputy minister was articulating. 
Between 2010 and 2013, we introduced NASFAS for the first time in Tivet colleges. We doubled the intake within that period. As the deputy minister was saying, we now have, we are developing centers of specialization and we are introducing, as I was saying, lecturer training and seeking to bring a closer relationship between our Tivet colleges and industry. Yes, be critical, but it's good to be critical if also you notice positive things that are actually being done. Honorable Boshoff, just to add to what Honorable Letia was saying, all what we are trying to do simply, which sometimes we hope that someone like yourself, you would support. We are doing what the Afrikaner governors of yesteryear did in uplifting poor whites in South Africa. The only difference, the two differences is that we are doing this for everybody rather than for section of the South African population, focusing especially on those who are oppressed. And secondly, we are not doing this by oppressing anybody else. So that is what we are doing. We would have thought that someone like yourself, you will understand the importance of uplifting the poor, that in doing so, we are not wanting to destroy the system, but our system can be strong if it is able to actually support the poor and the working class. Honorable seconds, we do support poor students for postgraduate studies, but if they meet the criteria, because competition is stiff for postgraduate studies, but even now we are saying we are going to expand the amount of money we, bring, we give to postgraduate students, especially those who are beneficiaries of NESFAS, because we realize that they need additional support, but we can't also under not to look at the issue of supporting our best performance, you know, even in particular those who are actually coming from, from poor families. I just want to say with that, thank you very much once more to those who supported us. And this government led by the African National Congress is showing its determination, despite the difficulties we are facing, to make sure that post-school education and training is open to all, especially to the working class and the poor. That concludes the debate and the business of this mini plenary session. The mini plenary will now rise. Thank you, honorable members. Long live the chair. Well done, Democratic Alliance. Malibu, ANC.